podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. We are backed by Ladbrokes. Go to bet.chelseapodcast.net for exclusive specials and promotions that we have got you. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Chels. Golly, we've got a packed room here, and some of them have turned up on time. And of course, one of them hasn't. We'll let you guess who when I've introduced all the guests. He's back. My inimitable co-host and very good friend, Mr. Andrew Saunders. What's the word you were looking for? Nemesis. (laughs) (laughs) Cock. Um, Any of those would do, yes. Um, (laughs) You can't believe I said that. I think that's the first time I've ever said a rude word on the podcast. And I didn't mean it, actually. How are you, Andy? I'm all right. You look a bit faced. I'm fine. Okay, that's good. Uh, Alongside... Just since since I've come in today, you've just been a... It's just been a sewer, really. A sewer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> free-flowing. Yes, free-flowing. And, uh, well, talking of free-flowing, uh, we, we, we have here the man who can utter nothing other than complete guff about how wonderful America is. No, I'm not going to do him. I'm doing you first. Uh, he's here. He's the, the magic timekeeper. He is our Swiss timing expert. It is the one and only Americanophile who wants to surround himself in white picket fence. It is Mr. Gerald Hayes. Hey, it's me, Big G from Jersey. <laughs> Oh, oh are you God. sure that's not the guy Jesus. from New York having hey. a chat with Ron Harris? Hey, bad thing. But bad Oh what? dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. This, this uh, it can only. Yes, get... it's really Gary. Hello, Gary. How we were in. We were in. We'll Hold on. Can we just? Can we just introduce? <laughs> oh, sorry. The Something one man here, who yeah, I've yeah. got nothing rude to say about. Um, one of life's finest fellows and finest chefs and top bloke it's mr alan bird thank you very much lovely to be back yes i'm sure it is <laughs> with all us lovely people here having a lovely time talking about lovely football and holidays and 12 points but first of all we must go back a couple of weeks in time because i heard there was a bit of an experience and extravaganza going on in the city of Maybe you could do the name of the city in your finest accent, please, Gary. New York. Okay, yep. (laughs) Uh, We'll go back for another go maybe later and drop it in. Um, But I heard that there was a a get-together of of fine minds, and then they were burst in on by uh, you, Andy, and you, Gary. Is this right? And a bunch of Geordies. And a bunch of Geordies. I didn't notice them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Andy wouldn't have noticed them at all. Oh, well, can I just get... Because you got in touch with me and you said you'd had an altercation with Newcastle well, fans. What I said was... And, no, what you said was Andy run away yeah. and you took care of I it. was left there like Danny Dyer in Football Factory going, who wants that? I'm come on. <laughs> and Andy, I turned around and Andy was gone. That was, was actually quite posh State for you. Building. That sounded quite posh. I think you've been hanging around with Andy too much. <laughs> We um we should we should set this all in context. Yes, like, I was over in New York on holiday, and Gary was in Vermont on holiday. But then had I was a, on a road trip. On yeah. a road trip, so you were in New York fortuitously at the same time. Did mm. you try any maple syrup while you were there? I did. It was appalling. Should really? I get onto that? <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I had been um, road tripping, and I went to New York for a day and met Andy. And then because my brothers lived there, we decided. 
So you must have gone to New York because you're a big Bruce Springsteen fan, yeah? Yeah, but I just didn't want to... Did you have tickets for Springsteen on Broadway? I didn't want to be a mug. I didn't want to get mugged off and pay too much for the tickets. Did did you have tickets for Springsteen on Broadway? No, I didn't. I did. Yeah. I'll queue 12 hours, but I just won't pay a king's ransom for tickets uh, did you show him your tickets I did yeah <laughs> and it's lucky I'm loaded really isn't it so it didn't really, it didn't really matter to me how much did they cost a lot how See, much? I, I'm oh, loaded because I won't spend money on those tickets oh are you telling me you didn't get them through official channels no I, I won the ballot that's why I, uh, there was a ballot for tickets He's basically Bruce Springsteen is doing a series of very small theatre shows on Broadway. I mean, oh, normally Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah, normally, normally he would inventive. Normally I he was clever. Normally he would play giant stadium. He would play Wembley Stadium. But he's doing this very Hope uh, interesting uh, series of one man shows, which are scripted um, and, and in which he plays some of his key songs. And it's an um, it's an amazing thing. But there was a global ballot. And I got two tickets through the ballot, so that's why I went over there. I'm I'm not the world's biggest Bruce Springsteen fan. My wife is, so that's why we went over. Gary is a massive Bruce Springsteen fan and was was green with jealousy. So they didn't even <laughs> cost you anything then, the tickets? No, no, I had to pay, I had to buy them, but they were expensive. How much? Uh, Four hundred dollars each for the cheap ones. Well, well, that's right. Did you think? Oh, I'll just get the cheap ones. Yeah, well, we were like, it was eight hundred dollars and four hundred dollars. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it is an intimate setting, isn't it? So, it was. I mean, it was totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you, they, they were the face value prices. That wasn't me getting them off fire go or whatever. No. Um, but then, of course, you've got flights Imagine and hotels and all the other stuff on top of it. But it was an amazing, amazing thing. But Gary was massively jealous. Oh yeah. How do you oh, feel? I'm not going to say I'm not. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to wait till December the nineteenth when it comes out on Netflix. It's not the same, though, it's is it, really? Because you know what? I can watch that as well, and, and it's not the same. It's not yeah, really. Andy, stuff you and your journey to New York yeah. and seeing him live. I've seen it on Netflix. Ha! Huh. But Put I, I enjoyed pipe. a journey across America, a journey into the inner self. It was like Joseph Conrad, Heart of Darkness. That's onanism, and it should be outlawed. So yeah, anyway, we, um, we, uh, we, we, met for, we met for a drink. We decided we would go and watch the Chelsea-Newcastle game the next day in midtown manhattan in a little bar opposite the uh what's that bar called legend legends it's yeah. got a good reputation and then i watched the boxing in there a few years ago it was carl frotch against um george groves and that was all right but chelsea then, boy yeah and then the, the rematch at wembley and then when we watched the football there it was completely different yeah well we start we started off upstairs didn't we and we had yeah. a breakfast it was rather Gary pleasant com- complained all the way through because he's such pancakes a gas- weren't that great gastronaut maple syrup wasn't and we watched the, too runny <laughs> we watched the first half upstairs and then we thought let's go downstairs because downstairs is where the you know but for some reason they let both sets of fans in so there were Newcastle fans and Chelsea fans in I you know yeah but in pubs normally you get both sets I don't think they were expecting it to be like it was and then Chelsea fans started singing you're just a small town in Sunderland <laughs> uh, I'll let Andy finish this bit off well I put it on Twitter and, and this girl was going the Newcastle isn't in Sunderland and so I'm the like, joke's on you yeah and we were like no no you're missing slightly missing the point she's like no no it's not in Sunderland I'm like yeah but that's that's not the point this is that's, that's and so joke. I was getting really quite exasperated about it I don't know if it was a, jet, a, a you know a case of jet lag and coffee but I was like you're totally missing the point she went I'm from Sunderland and I'm like well why are you supporting Newcastle and it ended up being <laughs> this like this became this big issue and then after that the Geordies had eyes only for Andy and there's about 20 and then, of them and then when we scored I was maybe a little over exuberant <laughs> oh, so you were deliberately giving an extra show because that's what happens in a bar sometimes I if you've had that so I was quite contained really yeah, I was, and I was rather contained as well actually I thought it was all well and good until they scored and then they jumped all over me yeah. they sort of jumped on me and then I was like I'm not having it and so I kind of 
maybe reacted a bit. What did you do? I got a little bit cross. <laughs> Flicked one of their caps off. I did. <laughs> that, Flicked one of their that, caps that, off. That could have escalated things, couldn't it? I did regret it as soon as I'd done it. Uh, it was like, oh, that, I shouldn't have done that. And then, and then we scored, and then I went mental. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it caused a bit of an atmosphere. And then... Um, and little it, Louise was in there hiding under a table. Going, and then, What's going on? And then at the end of the game, I wasn't very gracious. <laughs> and then I left because I thought, actually, I could get beaten up here. I didn't leave. I went and stood outside. And Gary was like, let's have a photo with everybody. And I'm like, no. Well, I, well, I, might get I was stabbed. stood there saying, because they were having a go and I was like, look, leave it out. Stop it. Stop it. And they're all looking over it's my shoulder. It's not worth it. Pointing at people. I was like, look, just chill out. You lost. It's all right. Don't worry about it. And they're all looking over my shoulder, pointing. And then suddenly the their eyes t- went onto me and they're all pointing at me, ah, you cockney, and all this. And I was like, oh, I turned around and Andy weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, right, I see, now, now. Yeah. And then what happened is all these Chelsea fans came over and were like, hey, man, you're Gary Hayes. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's me. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, we didn't we, know you we were from New Zealand. We, had a, we had a big pick taken and I was there going, Andy, come down. But then he weren't there, and then someone tweeted out a pic of me searching for Andy. And I'm like, I swear this is Gary Hayes. And I was like, yeah, it is me. Yeah, that's me. We did meet a couple of listeners over there. We met Joe, Joe Bingham and Marley. Shout out to them. They came up and had a lovely chat with us. Um, and, yeah. We saw a fat Diego Costa. We did. Saw a very fat Diego Costa. Did you get a photo? No. Well, he, he got a photo with me. Right, okay, but you don't have a photo of fat well, Diego Costa. I would say, I would say it was fun, but it was actually quite, it was quite edgy, wasn't it? Yeah, it, but on the whole, I know we're joking, it was, it was fun, but I just don't see what the, all the reputation is with this Legends bar. It wasn't as good as I... Maybe if it was a Chelsea-Arsenal or something like that, it might have been different, but it weren't as good as I thought it was going to be. Because when we met, it was like empty, wasn't it? Yeah. I was like, where is everyone? And they all seem to turn up at like. I just don't time. like. I don't like both sides, those sets of supporters in the same bar at that level. I don't like. I like you know because it's quite an emotional game, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean to be honest, I mean most places I've well, I don't watch outside, football in pubs. No, I don't normally, but I used to, and you get mixed fans. It's different usually. I take it a bit too seriously. That's my problem. Well, yes, you do. But I mean, there was a big fight in that. My brother watched. England Columbia in there right and he said after the penalties there was a big fight right and so apparently it's known for it mm. so I think that's where everyone goes up for it's a, a, it's, a it's a small basement so you know yeah. you're right on top of each very, other very intimate yeah mm. so I don't know I didn't think but anyway so we sort of that was our, that was our American adventure wasn't it yeah it was good and then I went up and visited Trump Tower and the rest of it in my Chelsea shirt well you didn't well sorry Trump Hotel Gary sent me a picture going, oh, there's no policeman there. I'm like, because you're outside the hotel. Yeah, but I thought, not, they'd, not be the I thought they'd be there. I thought they'd be there as well because people would want to vandalise it or whatever. I went to Trump Tower and it was full of blokes with, you know, with AR-15 yeah, guns. Yeah, and I wanted yeah. to take a photo. And they just, uh, I looked at a bloke and he just slowly shook his head at me and I walked on. <laughs> and then Gary went, well, I'm here. There's nobody. I'm like, you're at the hotel, you mug. But he, it, what it was, he saw you on your Trump rally. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's the problem. Whereas me, I'm just you know, a Trump anyway. supporter. Yeah. So you did the Newcastle game. You did the Trump. new did the Newcastle game, presumably. Yes, we have. We've yep. done the Newcastle game. You know, you were sorely missed, but we we've been getting you know tales of legend and daring do from you guys. So it's nice to hear the full story, isn't it, Alan? I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Who did you have a ruck with over the Newcastle game? <laughs> have you been causing trouble in restaurants? No, nothing at all. Nothing. No, at I've all. been well behaved. No, oh, okay. I, Wait, I missed I missed the first game of the season. I missed the Arsenal game so 
Bournemouth was my first game of the season at home. Okay, well, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, how have you found it getting into the season with one week between games and things? It's, a, it's quite strange, isn't it? one Not week that, between games? Well, that we haven't got a midweek game. There's Not a full week mean, for training that actually you see some sort of evolution of the side from week to week as opposed to them having to play all the time and trying to sort things out. I have, like, like I said, I've, the first game I've been out of touch um, at the beginning of the season because I was working, but the Bournemouth game is the first game, and now that we've got this international break, so <clears throat> it should be um, should be an interesting uh, you know to see how the team does develop over when it comes back into you know playing normal Premier League games and that regular sort of. Uh, yeah, and what have you thought goes. of Sarri so far? Um, I like what I saw. Yeah, no, Are I you like... a Sarri ball enthusiast? No, I'm not a Sarri ball Please enthusiast at all. Please give it a better name. No, Yeah, nonsense. What does For it mean? For meant to have this beautiful approach to football, they label it Sarri ball. Why? Why? Why do you need to do that? No, I, I just... I love the way that the, the team played on Saturday. I love the intensity of the, the side. Um, the passing was brilliant. Um... I was reading a stat earlier about um, we've got 10 players in the top 10 passers in the Premiership, which is um, pretty amazing considering you know the way that City play. And I think there's a couple of Liverpool players and there's one City player in there. So, um, no, it was good to see. And I was really impressed with the way that um, the team played and the new players that are coming as well. Um, yeah, so it, it, all in all, it's a, it's a thumbs Very positive, up for, yeah. for Sar- yeah, Sarri. And, I mean, Andy, you, you were off playing for the, um, uh, what was it, Hampshire under-70s or something, weren't you? Cricket. <laughs> was that right? No. no. Hertfordshire under-70s. No. No. Um, Hertfordshire over-60s. <laughs> no? Why? <laughs> Hertfordshire over-50s. Hey. There we go. <laughs> How did you do? No, we don't do very well. We came second. <laughs> yeah, but how did you do, personally? Oh, I'm, I'm a gun. I'm a g- I still got You never lose it, Kerry. <laughs> I don't remember you when you were left arm, it. Left arm filth. <laughs> left. On the money. On the money. Boring batsman out. <laughs> how many yeah. did you get? Uh, in that game, one. One? Yeah. So you kind of didn't quite but have I was economical. the major gun. I was economical. Yeah, it had a bit of a silencer on it yeah, yeah. and kept missing. Yeah, um, so so I haven't been to a game yet. I'm, I haven't been to a game because it's been you know I was away and then it's. Can you imagine if that was me? What you'd say to me? Um, well, you're a massive plastic anyway, so it's like. You know, um, so I'm now now that the cricket season is over, it, Chelsea has my undivided attention. But I've watched ninety minutes of every game, um, and you know I've been I've been impressed. I, I like I like the tempo. I like the intensity. I'm slightly concerned about the back four. Um, slightly concerned about. David Louise, I have to say a little bit about how he fits into a back four, but you know I'm loving that midfield of Jorginho and Kante and Kovacic. I have a slight concern. My only concern about that midfield is goals, about mm-hmm. whether there's any goals in there. And we've always had, you know, um, you know, the opportunity to score goals from midfield. And when we've really been at our peak, we've had Lampard, and if Lampard wasn't scoring goals, we had Balak, and then we had Essien, and you know, we've we've always had Ramirez, you know, those those type of players have always been in there scoring goals, but I can't see where the goals are coming from from Kovacic or Jorginho or Kante. I know Kante's pushing up, but he's not getting fifteen a season. So it's a lot of pressure on those those three players up top to score goals and then you've got the Maratta factor. So I think there's there's there is a concern, but I'm enjoying four wins out of four. I'm enjoying the style of play. I'm enjoying the fact that they look like a team and they're enjoying playing football. Um and there's a sort of joyousness on the pitch. I mean there's not there's nothing not to like about that. Yeah, uh, just on the midfield though, we sort of spoke about against Newcastle. My one concern is Kante. 
And I just think as the season goes on, he's going to be edged out just because of the goals. He's not creative enough. And it's not his fault. He's been asked to play a position he hasn't... I know he sort of played it when he was in France, but I think if Chelsea going forward are going to be challenging for titles and winning things, I don't think you can play with him in that three. Not unless he's the man in the middle. Interesting. I I just think that they need... You know, you look at... To, to use them only because they're I'm not you know blowing smoke up the proverbial for them but because they're the champions you look at City and those three midfielders still chipping with goals you look at De Bruyne I, I, I forget how many he got last year but he got in the you know, eight got, or nine yeah. Fernandinho you know, yeah Fernandinho chips in with his own and I know David Silva isn't strictly in that three but he's a player that isn't part of their attacking three that scores goals so they have goals from everywhere Whereas Chelsea are literally relying on those front three at the moment and, and Pedro. What was interesting as well, we did talk about it in Newcastle and I sort of raised an eyebrow at your, at your um, theory on it. But, you know, there's, there's, there's something to be reflected on in what you say. The problem is, of course, is if we, um, if we go up and we need to hold a lead, then Kante is absolutely brilliant at dropping back and shielding that back four. You know, and I think it just for his defensive qualities, he'll always be a massively important part. Yeah, of sure. And there was a point against Bournemouth where he was, the player um, they had a breakaway and he recovered to tackle having been half. right up in there yeah, and he recovered box. and you see that and you're like okay but I just think that in this in this team Sarri doesn't defend leads you know and I know, I know what you mean about having a player in there to do it but the way he defends the lead is by not letting the team have the ball and the way the City do and you look at the City side and again I'm talking about because it it's similar and you know they're, they're the team at the moment but they don't have a player like Kante in that team. Fernandinho is sort of doing the job of Jorginho and Kante, you know, as a hybrid player. But they don't have a Kante. And I think it's a... You know, we were talking about it before, weren't we, Kerry? That it's almost like when Jose first came in in 2004 and he brought Carvalho with him. And then that sort of pushed Gallas out and he started playing him at left-backs. He was like, well, you're a good player, so I've got to play you. But I'll sort of just put you there so you're in the team. But I know you're not a left-back. And... I think I personally think Kante is undroppable. I, I genuinely. See, I, think. I, I don't think he is. Okay. Not, not well, because I, I, not because I, think I don't it, rate I, him or I anything. Think it's an in, I think it's an interesting theory. Yeah, I, think, I, I don't subscribe to it, but I think it's an interesting. Just theory. just playing playing him in that position, I think you're doing him a disservice. But then, if you want to play the football that we're trying to play, you need Jorginho at the base of that midfield. Now, whether they change it and say, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm thinking of Sari here, talking as if I am him, but okay, I'm not going to play a back four because I want to get Kante in my side so what we can do is we can play a back three and then play a diamond midfield which allows Kante to be in there in the way that we sort of did with SCN I can and see Lampard. it evolving into that yeah and because then, I think once he gets used to the Premier League I think he, I can see it evolving see, I, and, and on that point just to promote my work here this is a piece I wrote for the Athletic um, in America um, that's a site no one can read isn't it no you can read if you pay $7 a month oh okay <laughs> um, but so the, the, my theory was that I know we're talking Kante here, but to get the best out of Alonso, maybe moving him further forward. So you're not playing a five-man midfield still, but you've got that back three, which what it does, it puts David Luiz at the base of that three-man defence as the libero where we've seen him do his best stuff for Chelsea. Then you've got Aspi and Rudiger side of him. Then you've got, at the base of that midfield, you've got uh, Jorginho. But then what you can have is Kante and Alonso as part of that with you know, maybe Kovacic or Barkley or Loftus-Cheek playing further forward. Even then, maybe you're putting a square peg in a round hole with Kante, but then you're getting the best out of Alonso because you're not asking him to defend as much and then you've got the attacking three as they are. I just think that as it stands right now, it needs to evolve if we're to see the bestest team. But you're saying that and they've won four out of four, so maybe it's the looking The bestest team. Best out of this team. 
best out of this team. But the bestest <laughs> as well. Okay, no, I just quite liked it. I like the bestest. Best team. It's interesting because you say that about Alonso. Hazard said to Alonso, he said, "All I see is you in front of me," and basically he was saying he should be defending more, but. He scored yeah. a couple of goals, but that's, so that's the thing with him. He has the, been attacking more. Yeah, his instinct is to get that further forward. And when he's played as a wing back for so long, you're asking him to play a role that's alien to him. So, I know you know we're nitpicking. It's four wins out of four, and they're looking all right. I know they haven't really played anyone still, but they're building something. Mm. Well, I think I think there's something Arsenal. interesting in this. Yeah, um, they haven't played anyone, have they? Can't yeah, I mean <laughs> they're not Arsenal as they probably will be towards the end of the season if things work out. Because anyway, that's another story, but. I think it's really interesting. What I see happening is two things that we said, I think, on the first or the second podcast of the season was that, you know, Kante, would, or at the end of the last season, that this season the side would be built around Kante. Well, that actually hasn't happened. Jorginho's come in and we've built the side around Jorginho. And from what I can gather from the way Sarri plays, the one thing he doesn't do is change where Jorginho's positioning is and how he plays. So everything revolves around... He is the the, the North Star, as it were, for, for the side. Hub. Yeah. And, and I he think, was top of that passing league as well. Yeah, no, he, well, he will was be. in the whole of Europe last year. Yeah, he will be because that's that's what he does. But what it seems to me is that the other person that we we said would probably be a failure this season at the very beginning was Marcus Alonso because of his system. What did we say about that if he's played as an out-and-out left-back? Exactly. But what it seems to be the case is that Sarri has, in effect, put the greatest pressure on Kante and Alonso by saying, I want you to do a lot of the stuff you did last year, but I also want you to do, for you, Alonso get back and defend more, but still keep bombing up there and suddenly find yourself in the six-yard box with six minutes to go, causing mayhem. And Kante, I want you to be going forward and bombing forward, but get back to where you are vis-a-vis the, the Bournemouth tackle that he made in the penalty area where he haired it back and got in that tackle. You know, can they last a whole season playing a double double game for both of them? That, that's my point. See, what do you think? T- sorry to interrupt, but yeah. just because we were talking about stats and I was looking up on the Premier League app. So, yeah, Jorginho, number one on passes, 417 this season. There's five, players, five Chelsea players in the top 10. What I find interesting about Kante is he is down in 37th place or something like that. And he's only like 50 passes more than... Kovacic and Kovacic has played the best part of two games less than him so I think you can see when you see that you can see the impact he's having on the game in terms of as an attacking force he's not offering much unless he's doing more critical passing because don't but, forget Jorginho how many of those passes are like know, one way, yard the passes way, the way the, f- the Sarri ball is played is about those short passes it's not about the critical passes it's I about think, I think passing might, quick 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 I, quick and I putting think, players out of position because a pass might not necessarily pull the player in front of you out of position but it might make the right back do something because of the way the game's going and then you expose it and maybe Kante's not doing enough I'm just guessing but you look at the passes he's not as involved as what Kovacic has been in, in two full matches. I, I mean, I, I love a stat, as you know, but I think we might be going down a bit of a rabbit hole with this one because I don't think that there's much relevance in the passing. As, as Kerry says, I think it's about critical passing. And I think, you know, a lot of it, a lot of what Kante does is off the ball. It's, you know, I've always said he's brilliant marking space. He marks space. And, you know, what, what that allows uh, Kovacic and Jorginho to do is play. Whereas if you've got Kante marking the space, being the outlet, you know, being being the player that will cover then, you know, I think that's a huge 
hugely important role. So I don't set a lot of store by that particular passing stat. I think it's interesting that so much of it goes through Jorginho. I think that's the interesting thing about that, that stat. But that we kind of knew that because he was the top passer in Europe yeah. last year. So nothing's changed on that level. You know, I'm interested really, you know, to, to talk about what's going to happen with our back four because to me it just looks wobbly. You know, we haven't seen enough of our new goalkeeper to, to, to figure out what, what kind of an influence he has. It really hadn't had to touch the ball, really. You know, watched it go past him for the Newcastle goal and, you know, he hasn't really done a, done a huge, huge amount yet. So that's very much a, a work in progress or wait and see. The back four concerns me a little bit. But for the fact that it's a back four, you know, in the Premier League, it just feels outdated. It just feels a bit outmoded. It doesn't feel like a dynamic system for us to play when we've, you know, when we've been, you know, when we've been... You know, when we've been so dynamic going forward, having a back four just it looks a bit square. And you really notice that in the Arsenal game, where the back four was so square. All they did was pull the ball back, pull the ball back, and they were in in space. Finding those pockets, yeah, yeah but, and, and that that concerns me. The, the one thing I'd say about that Arsenal game, and I think it's, I, I think the way, and, and I've said this before, um, what I've seen of Sarri in pre-season, he has been working on each set department. In the last game against Lyon. The first set of substitutions was the whole midfield. The second set of substitutions was the whole front line. And the third set was the whole back four. He seems to work on different areas all the time and starts planning things. I think he's got his midfield for the moment settled. I think he's still obviously doing the same thing that every manager seems to do with us, which is, is it Pedro Pedro or is it William? And going, I don't know, so we'll just swap him for a bit until he goes, you know what, you've bought your space and we'll get on to Pedro in a bit, but yet again, I mean, I thought it was magnificent when he came on. He's rubbish though, isn't he? We should sell him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I think his main concern will be that back four and interestingly, the point I'm trying to make is in that Arsenal game, everyone goes chaotic defending, it was awful, it was disgraceful it was disgusting there was space there was this well you know that happened for a 15 minute period at the end of the first half the second half arsenal had one shot i think in the whole of the second half we tightened things up now whether that was the back four getting it together a bit or whether that that was the midfield three sorting out the midfield more i don't know but i think you're right i think at the moment luis is kind of like his Jorginho because he understands the way that Sarri wants to play he's got him in there I'm not convinced that that Luis will be in the side say come the end of the season I think there'll be a transition we'll probably get Christensen back in but I think at the moment he's managing and he's trying to just work everything out what do you what do you think Alan uh, well as, as you were saying I think it is a case of him working out what works best at the moment and he's still not 100% sure um, I think you're right he will change things around I think that back four um, from what I saw they looked pretty assured on Saturday um, they're those you know back four are all in the top ten as it were for passing so they're obviously doing something right um, I do think David Luiz he's one of those factors you never know whether he's going to have a brilliant game or whether he's going to you know mess things up by giving away a pass which he almost did during the game Um but it'd be interesting to see how that sort of develops. And I do think the midfield as well, like we've been saying about Kante, um, it's whether he can make a 
you know, a, a spot, a permanent spot. But as Andy said, he should be on the team sheet all the time. I do think he's going to be on the team sheet most of the time. He's bulletproof as well. You you know you're going to get 100 percent off him. He's, I don't think he very rarely so puts reliable, in a, a less than an eight out of ten performance. You know, in terms of consistency, in terms of knowing what you're going to get, you know, he will go on the pitch and perform. He will perform. You know, and I think that that's that's worth a lot. You know, in, in a team to have someone you know. You don't have to worry about their mental state or, you know, whether they're unfit or whatever. It, he's it just going to go... And, forward and yeah. then he gets back as well and he's got the energy Does his to job. do that. Does his job, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I mean, I can see why on paper you'd look at and you'd move around the jigsaw pieces and go, well, he offers that and he offers that and he offers that. I'd go with consistency. Mm. I'd go with 100%. You know, he's, mm. he's not the player of the year for, for any other reason than he's an absolutely See, my, my only concern with, with that is just because... It's all well and good against Bournemouth and Newcastle and Arsenal and Huddersfield. But when you play United, well, maybe not United at the moment, but, you know, when you play City, City or yeah. Liverpool, yeah. you need that extra creative spark. And, you know, it, it could be that we played When we them. played Man City last year away, we didn't have Kante and we got smashed. Yeah, but the system we were playing didn't... But we didn't have Kante. No, no, and I, I think that the fact that the fact that we didn't have Kante, system or not, was a massive but factor the, in us thing is playing against, so badly and capitulating against uh, it. Against City now, under this Sarri team, you're not going to play with Kante and that same, you don't have the same idea of someone needing to cover space because against City, we went there to, as Conte liked to say, to suffer. And when you're, one of, when you're suffering, you need Kante to suffer for you because he's you know, got the lungs to you know, compete I think you're so going to suffer when you play City, whether you set out to or not. You but... Know. I think that the way the way Chelsea are trying to play, when they play against City, they're going to be better in the ball than they are off the ball, and they need to keep the ball more. Yeah. And well, Wolves proved that against them, didn't they? You know, when when they got the draw against Wolves, Wolves were you know were aggressive on the counter attack, yeah. kept the ball, moved it quickly, played high tempo, and and that you can see is really what Sarri's trying to do is play high tempo, intense football, you know, and and not necessarily catch them on the counter attack. But I would it'd be interesting to see when we do play uh, a team that's going to get on the front foot against us. I'm thinking particularly Liverpool. That'd be a really interesting game mm. to see how he adapts to that. See, it, it's it's interesting because it is a 50-50 debate where it's a case of you play him and then you, like you say you see Liverpool and you say okay look he did this that and the other and it, that helped us in attack but it could be it works the other way where you see it and it's like okay that hindered us and we couldn't get forward much because we didn't have that creative spark where you didn't have Barkley being able to bomb on with um, Kovacic to you know play football more in their third you didn't have Loftus-Cheek doing it maybe or you know I just think that at the moment it's unclear you know I, I love Kanta I think he's great but in the system, it's doing him a disservice playing him in that in the way that he's playing him. Just like we said about Gallas, you know, I just think that you're taking something away from his game and asking him to do something that he's not qualified to do. Right, and on that note, we will get back to the Bournemouth game after this ad break. The Chelsea is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. So the game itself, I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was pretty much the same side. We had uh, William coming back into the starting lineup, Hazard there starting from the, the beginning of the match, looking match fit. But it was really hard work because Bournemouth didn't play as open a game as we thought. We thought, oh, it'll be a nice open game of football. And they didn't do it. They did a bit of a Newcastle. Were you surprised at that, Andy? A little bit because they've got a very good record against us, Bournemouth. You know, and, and you know, in recent matches have caused us real problems. And, and you know, caused us real problems by getting on the front foot and taking the game to us and, and not, not being overawed by us, not, not being uh, a team that, you know, treats us with too much respect. And, you know, that's worked for them. So, you know, having seen what Newcastle did, you know, which, you know, to be fair, you know, 
they they did a reasonable job of. Problem is when you play that low block, when you play that that sort of ultra defensive. If if you get scored against, what do you do? You're you're, you're broken then, yeah, aren't you? And and you know, and they got they got a goal back, but then you know, then of course we we went on and won, and that's the Newcastle game. But this game, it was frustrating because it, it felt to me like we were dominant without being dominant. If that makes any effect, you know, we just didn't feel like we had enough final product to really make it count and I think that's what sets us apart from maybe one or two teams above us is that level of expectation for final products and we can talk about individual players but I think it's systemic within the team that you know we are really good at tempo really good at holding the ball really good at, at, at developing moves and getting up to the edge of the 18 yard box but I think it's that it's that final killer touch that, that we lack it doesn't matter whether it's Bournemouth or whether it's Liverpool if we can't put the ball in the net then it's going to be pretty without reward but I, w- I would say that you know Bournemouth did actually defend pretty damn well, and and I have a theory why they lost the game as well, which I'll say in a minute. But I, I can't remember the people around me were saying how many blocks have they put in? That I mean, there were so many blocks through the game. I mean, they really defended with their lives. Yeah, didn't they? They did. and they there was did. a lot of time wasting, wasn't there? You know, every well, time that's going to happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm never going to complain about it. No, it's but what up happens. until the point when we scored, they then suddenly speeded up again. But I, I think that. Up until our substitutions, we were trying that age-old thing where we try and pass the ball into the net, and then when we when he changed it around, then you saw the end result was you know it was a bit more open. We we scored, um, but it was I thought it was a little bit frustrating t- to that point when there wasn't any end product, and obviously when um, uh, Murata went off. Uh, that was a big change and you could see it, was a, it felt a lot more positive well it's interesting isn't it with, with Murata I, I kind of feel sorry for him because I, I think we've said this before he's making all the right runs but nobody's picking him up and and he actually puts a hell of a shift in all, mm. all, all game and I don't think he's getting his rewards we're not picking him up when Giroud comes on he just demands come on then throw it up to me you know he has a different presence it's easier to pick out because it's a He's taller in the air. And well, he's equal, I suppose, in size. But he teamed. The first thing he did was win a header, which Murata couldn't do. All game. His, he plays with his back to goal, and yeah. Murata doesn't. And no. at the moment, we're playing a we're playing a uh, a formation that, that kind of is asking him to play with his back to goal and either lay it off or turn into trouble. And if you're Costa or you're Drogba and you've got that you know brute mongrel force about you, you know, and you can you can do that, then that's that's going to pay dividends. But Murata's, you know, we've, we've said before, he's a racehorse. You know, he's somebody who needs the ball in the channel. But I think more importantly, he's brilliant in the air. Why aren't we putting balls in a box for him? Yeah. And it's like last year, the you know the Azpilicueta diagonal ball, United. you know, well, and several and other teams Stoke as well, and yeah, yeah. several teams. That you know, sitter against Spurs as well, didn't Wor- worked really well. You know, and it, I think it was a little bit. And I don't want to make any kind of comparison, but I always remember when when Arsenal bought Shamak, you know, who by that point had the, had the most had the most um, the, the best aerial stats in Europe. You know, scored the most headed goals, and I don't think put one cross into the box you know you bought a player that's dominant in the air and you're asking him to you know to play on the ground mm. I think we you know looking at the striker I think Morata's got work to do I think he needs to you know to get a little bit more aggressive when he plays I think he, you know he's starting to not roll around so much there's I can see signs of life uh, with him now but we've got to play to his strengths you know he is a great player for either running onto the ball uh, and finishing poaching in the six yard box or, or heading the ball what he can't do is hold the ball up with three defenders around him mm. and turn and expect yeah. to score but I don't know if you saw the match of the day analysis that Hullet did. No. And it was basically what we've been saying. He makes all the right moves and he gets in positions, 
But Chelsea get the ball out wide, and what do they do? They cut it back to yeah. someone who's on the edge of the We've box. We've been doing that since Mourinho. And, Mar- and Morata's in there mm. waiting for the delivery, and by the time the ball comes into him, the defenders have switched on and got goal side, or they've got the side of where the ball and is. And he's so having to play with his back to goal. Yeah, or yeah. what he's doing is he's playing on the back of the defender, on the shoulder of the defender, when the ball's coming in, and it's an easy clearance for the defender because he hasn't got time to make that double movement and get in front. And I just think that if they're a bit quicker, and this is what we were saying to go back to Newcastle when we were watching it, is that brilliant up to the edge of the box like you're saying and too many touches yeah. they need to be more direct that's what I mean they're trying just, to pass the ball into yeah, the net they're doing what Arsenal about. were always criticised to do yeah. under Wenger that's my I'm, concern is that we end up playing really pretty attractive fast flying passes yeah. but we don't have a final product you know, it was and it was I th- a lot more direct when Giroud came on and obviously when Pedro's because he invites it though because, because he's Giroud and he is you know, physical a physical player in that yeah. way they think okay I can get it to him like that and they'll play into that whereas with Morata he wants the ball okay you can put it in the air but he wants the ball on the floor for him to run into and when yeah. he's getting in those positions you watch him like uh, the only time I've seen a game this year in person was the Community Shield and you saw him against City he was making all the moves mm. getting in behind their defenders John Stones and getting in between Stones and Walker but they just weren't picking him out mm. and he was mm. getting so frustrated and you can understand why he, get, why he gets frustrated and I think people jump on his back and say, oh, you're a striker who scored one this season. It's like, no, but understand what he's trying to do. But having that quarterback in the team like Fabregas, you know, that's a miss, isn't it, when you've got a player like Fabregas. Jorginho should still be doing that because yeah. he's the new version of Fabregas. Apparently so. Yeah. Look, I, I think, you know, it's a good time to come on and talk about Pedro and talk about final products. I mean, a lot of people were incredibly critical of us re-signing Pedro. It's bed blocking. It's stopping the youth coming through. Why are we re-signing these ageing players? You know, you know what's Pedro ever done? You know, I said at the time, he's a brilliant squad player. You know, he's won everything. He's performed at the highest level in the biggest stadiums. Nothing phases Pedro. I don't think you can argue that he gives 100% every time he gets on the pitch. You may criticise his touch, you may criticise his, but you cannot criticise his work rate. He's an absolute, you know, uh, tank in, you know, when he gets on the pitch in terms of, you know, work rate. And I think, you know, the fact that he's getting into positions and finishing just proves what, what an important player he is for us. No, I'd agree. Pedro, for me, just gives you everything. And when he's one of those as well is... Whenever he either starts a game, he starts the game really quickly. Whenever he comes on as a substitute, he does something very quickly. Whatever point of a game he starts at, he does something quite instantly. It's it's quite interesting with him. He brings energy to the team. Yeah, he does. You know, he's, a, he's a different player to William. I mean, I always criticise William because you know I, I genuinely well, I don't always criticise him. He's a, he's a fantastic player, but I, if there is a criticism of William, I think it is his final product and sometimes his final decision making at the very critical moment, whether to pass or whether to shoot. You know, and, and I think that Pedro, I think he's ahead of him at that level. Maybe Pedro doesn't give you as much you know, physicality as, as William does. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Williams may be a little bit more creative, but, you know, but I think Pedro gives you something direct that's really important in this team. The odd thing was also, uh, for me, what, where I thought Bournemouth lost it was AR substitutions were good and they all came on. I thought Ruben showed a lot of power and showed a lot of energy surging through when he came on. But I also thought Bournemouth seemed to have a plan, which was let's try and get to 70 minutes at nil-nil, and then if we're still in the game, yeah. we'll take the game to them and try and surprise them. And they, they suddenly started attacking us, and they lost the ball immediately, and then we started bombing through, and they committed the foul from which we scored. But because they'd been caught out of position, it gave the game away for me. I, I thought it was a strange thing for Bournemouth to do, and they weren't all geared up for it. And it ended the game. Eh? Uh, which one? 
the was it what happened in it? I can't remember. Which penalty? What penalty? What happened? The Alonso. Uh, that was in what in the. I can't remember. That was Newcastle. That was Newcastle. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Okay. yeah. God, I thought it was me. I thought, what oh were the my goals? God. Talk me through the goals. Pedro deflected shot. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Hazard. And Hazard, Hazard. right. Which okay. is interesting yeah, because yeah. he was the man of the match and yeah, we're not yeah. mentioning him at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, Hazard has just been on, um, you know, a, a different plane. Okay, we've got to wait and see. Well, he has, Gary. I know you're, you're a bit no, down. No, I, I just find... Why are you down on Hazard? I'm not, I'm not down on Hazard. If, if I'm down on him, it's because... He should be better. He should be better. And even against Newcastle, you know, like I made the point after the Arsenal game, you know, because everyone's this big push. We want Hazard to be captain and all that. And I just thought, okay, I'm not really in vogue with that, you know, chain of thought. But then he came on against Arsenal and he did the sort of thing you want a captain to do where he was like, give me the ball. I'm going to make this happen. And he scored, you know, sets it up for Alonso. Yeah. But then against Newcastle, it was almost like he has this ability to be great but then not do anything and you know we even saw like at the end of the first half where Kante puts him in and the goal's just screaming for him to shoot you know as he comes in on the goalkeeper on Dubravka but then he controls it and then wants to set someone else up I'm just like just be more direct and do something it just really frustration is probably the way to describe it it's not a dislike of him or being no, down I, 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 I was looking I think you've got everything he should score a lot more goals you've we've got everything said, to love, be incredible we've been saying and that. you're just not quite there we've well, been saying it for six years and it just, it just annoys me and, and let's not forget Sarri doesn't speak much and doesn't speak overly but what he says is interesting you know what he said about Ruben Loftus-Cheek becoming a better player tactically and keeping involved in the game the whole time He's also said that he will make Hazard a better player. Now, for me, you read between the lines, he gets what you're saying about Hazard. He can see what could be done. And that's what you hope from a manager, isn't it? That mm. not only do they just come in and go, this is how I play now, but also they turn what you've got there into better players. Well, I think he has to because we've already mentioned it. We need goals. And we, from Hazard, particularly, we need between 15 and 20 goals. I You're think right, more. You know. I think more. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being me. conservative, but we need, we need a lot of goals from him. And, at the, you know, the, the, the idea of him not shooting is something we've talked he's about ever since enough, he's he? been at the club and ever since we've been doing this podcast with him at the club. We've said that he is not selfish enough. He doesn't shoot. He's not direct enough. I don't know whether it's a confidence thing. He doesn't want to look silly by missing. But, you know, Gary's absolutely right. That was a great opportunity to shoot he overthought it overcomplicated it and you know his approach play his assist play you know is without doubt amazing but you know he should be scoring a lot more a little bit a little bit you know like you'd see Joe Cole do something absolutely mind-blowing you just think oh my god you're incredible you know like the the goal that sealed the title against United in 2006 absolutely breathtaking skill and then you see Hazard you know um, put Coquelin on his arse and then you know, Mazer run through and then dink the ball over check and you just feel like, look, that is the player that everyone loves, but just you just don't see it enough. And that I know I'm being hard on him because it's like, oh, well, look, he does it, you know, and he does win matches. But I just want to, I just see it. I was like, look, I want you to do it more. I want you to do what Lampard did. You know, Lampard just thought tunnel vision. I don't care. I'm scoring. Yeah. And you know, yeah. even like Kane will do it where he'll just they call it the gambler's paradox where. 
you miss, but you just think you're going to score again. He needs you know, a more and, of a killer instinct. Yeah, and he? you just it, and Lampard would shoot, 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 and that's why he'd get. 27 I don't think goals he think he doesn't think of himself as a striker. He thinks himself as a midfielder, a creator, a libero. You know, and I think that if Sarri can do anything, he basically say to him, "You are essentially a striker. If you play in my in my front three, you're a striker. Yeah. You need to score you goals. To score it's goals. your responsibility. Yeah. You will never be." in the same bracket as some of the greats of European football if you Unless don't you do that, yeah. score consistently Absolutely. 20 goals a season. Well, you know, I mean, on the way here, I bumped into somebody who came Eden up to Hazard, me. was it? <clears throat> yeah, I had a word with him. I told him what you were going to say and he said, hey, the boy's right, you know. Did, did he tell you as well that he wants to play somewhere where he can't see the hotel behind the stadium? No. I asked Courtois' quote recently. He said, oh, well, I prefer it at Madrid because I see the full stadium, not a hotel. Oh, sorry. Dear. I just wanted to get a dig in about quarter. Well, he's not even in the side like at the it. moment, is he? Sadly missed, isn't he? Yeah, sadly yeah. missed. But anyway, I found out the real reason we won. Uh, bumped into somebody, as I said, uh, who said he listens to the podcast, and he said actually he's the reason that we won because every time we've beaten Bournemouth in the Premier League, he hasn't been able to go. So thank you to Andy Siggers for getting us the three points in on, on I know Saturday. Andy Siggers. Hello, Andy. Can, can I just say yeah, as well, on, on those defeats we've had to Bournemouth, there's been two of them. They've had this knack of playing us at the right time. Because the first time they beat us was when the proverbial was hitting the fan with Jose and they beat us 1-0, I think. And then... What, of, jailbird Jose? <laughs> Did you see that? A year he's had, isn't it? Is it a year he's been given? Yeah, he's been given a year's prison sentence. Oh, for his tax avoidance. Yeah, but he has to serve any time, doesn't he? Tax or something. Jailbird Jose. (laughs) But, um. Jose. I mean, you know, it's tragic, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, it it's is. It's tragic. That's the word for it. I mean, you know, a few people on Twitter going, yeah, but he's done all this stuff for Chelsea. I'm sorry. You just don't get a free pass forever. If you're a dick, you're a dick. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter if you were our greatest ever manager, which he was, you know, absolutely no doubt about that. And at the appropriate time, you know, a statue maybe for, you know, for what, for what he achieved for us. But he's being a total dick at the moment. If it was one of my mates, I'd be calling him a dick. It's like you sit in press <laughs> conferences and give it the respect, respect, three premiership. I mean, how tragic. You know, Mark Webster described it as a massive smell my cheese moment yeah. you know yeah. which was brilliant you know what I mean it was like pure partridge pure partridge I think it's hilarious you know I mean I know that you know we always talk about the third season malaise of Jose Mourinho but I mean it's just toe curlingly embarrassing it is, yeah. it's got progressively worse that's well can, can I just say long may it continue <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is what it's, 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 it's at the detriment of Man United so of course long may it continue it's just it disappoints me because he's better than that you know, I'm just like, come on, like, you did it. You you know what you did in 2004 to 2007. You were great at doing it and you did it with a smile. And then it just seems to be Madrid just made him turn bitter and now it's said with such venom. You know, I think you're like, right. I think it was Madrid that did it. I, I don't doubt. know what's happened. It's just, but he, even when he first came back to Chelsea, he was great. And I got along with him really well and I really liked him. And even when he left, I regretted him leaving. But now he's seeing Did he like, laugh at your Ron Harris impression? He thought I was Ron once. Did he? Oh. Oh. Has Andy ever heard your I've Ron? I've never though? heard your Ron Harris impression. Go on. Please, please, no, no. He doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> not when he's not on it. Uh, no. Ron will come in later. Oh, okay. When we have to predict the scores. All right. Okay, well, we, we should move on. Last mention I will well. say, just on his accents, when we met the, the nice people in the bar in New York, they did um, comment on uh, on his New Zealand accent and say it was disgraceful. <laughs> yeah, but there even are Americans, pe- even people in America, they haven't even been to New Zealand. Even, Go to New Zealand. Even people in America were appalled. By Go to New, New Zealand and you'd be walking around thinking I'm talking to you. You'd be like, "Where's Gary? Is that, is that Gary on the tannoy there in Tesco? You're like, what's going on here, bro? <laughs> oh, come on, bro." <laughs> 
Oh, dear, Olaf. It must be that time of the podcast. Well, I mean, we're not here next week because it's International Week. So Ooh, we, I hate oh, the International Week. Oh, you're back. You love the World Cup, though. I, I enjoyed the World Cup. <laughs> and it's a, it's a league thing now or whatever now, isn't it's it? Stupid. I'm looking forward to it. How yeah. are you? Mm. Oh, for Ooh. God's sake. <laughs> I'm glad your misery is Just back. when I've kind of like, I'm back and I'm ready to fully focus <laughs> all of my attention on Chelsea, we've got a stupid International Week. It's a waste of ways. Well, it? you know, well, after that, you can look forward to the mighty Cardiff coming to see us and uh, have a little play of football. I'll tell you what I did do in the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, which I'd never done before. I did a stadium tour of Stamford Bridge. Did you? Nephew, Never done, with it? my nephew, yeah, who's um, 11 years old. What's his name? Chelsea fan, Seth, Seth Brown. And um, he's a proper, he's proper Chelsea. And uh, we went and did it. And it's, it's good fun. I recommend it. Okay. You know, did get, you take anything from the dressing rooms or anything? I had it go, but it's all screwed down. But, you know, it's... <laughs> Even um, the soap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, it's interesting. And they have a, you know, they have a, you know, somebody comes along and you have interactive iPads that, you know, that... That you know give you three sixty degree views of things and yeah I, I highly recommend it it's good I did a stadium tour Fenway Park oh, you hold on where where Red was Sox. that Fenway uh, Park oh That's Galway there. what in Bristol <laughs> or was it Go- <laughs> that, Bristol that was, that or Galway that was very interesting and I was like going round and seeing where they was he on the Green Monster. Yeah, sat up the top there because they got the seats there now and I saw all the little bits from where they filmed the town and bits and bobs that was interesting. Excellent. And have you been on a stadium tour at all? No, I haven't, no. Oh, well, we'll, we'll I should do. Me? Yeah. No. I've done a stadium tour of Leicester once. Did the you? old Filbert Street. Oh, what was there to see? Not, <laughs> not much. Well, it's probably better now that it's a Here's car a road, park. Isn't I it? went. I got invited to a. It was the. It was the. It was the FA Cup game where Robbie Di Matteo um, scored in our yellow kit. Yeah, in the, yeah, yeah. And and he scored. And we were in a. We were in a box at the old Filbert Street. And I would did my usual over exuberant celebration in the box. And we were all the away end were below us. And this bloke tried to climb up to get at me and took his false teeth out <laughs> <laughs> as it, and held them in his hand and shook his fist at me was and that was my gum you that, was too, that was too old that game it, it was yeah and, by, and, and, and part of the hospitality was a tour of Filbert Street which was underwhelming <laughs> <laughs> but it was too old and then we brought him back to the bridge and we drew nil nil alright Rain Man and Erling Johnson won the penalty near the end that we he scored did. to win oh, one nil can you tell us about and Danny Baker Danny Baker got fired uh, off of um, the BBC for saying that everybody should go around the uh, referee's house and set fire to it. <laughs> well, because <laughs> of that Erling Johnson penalty. Yeah. And I commentated on that over. game. It was, it was radio. after that game. Yeah, Martin O'Neill called us cretins after that yeah. game. Yeah, and I, uh, I commentated nice. on that game for Radio Chelsea. Yeah, excellent. It was a brilliant game. And I remember Casey, what's his name? The Casey Keller. Casey Keller was mm. astonishing. Made an um, incredible amount of stuff. He was a good goalkeeper. Yeah, he was. And, didn't, and, uh, and Frank LeBeuf scored a penalty. Yeah, he was, yeah. 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 That's right. Games, good, game. so, good time. So uh, in a minute, we're going to let you go because Ron Harris has done uh, an advert for maple syrup, which we'll be hearing in a minute. <laughs> um, but first of all, I would like to get everyone's predictions for the Chelsea Cardiff game. Be a tough old game, although they do look cobblers. <laughs> Why well, will it be a tough old game then? Well, I just thought I'd say it, just in case it is. 
the last mean, time the last time uh, the last time I remember Cardiff coming to Stamford Bridge was in that cup game. Do you remember that when they when they came? It was the FA Cup. Oh no, on the King's Road. On the King's Road, and there was a, a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle yeah, up was, there. Wasn't there yeah. And a police, Lots of police, a police dog bit one of the uh, one of the Cardiff fans, and he was on the floor crying, literally crying on the floor, yeah. holding his hand. And the and the policeman was standing over and going, "What did you expect, mate? What did you expect? <laughs> Trying to stroke my dog?" Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. They all congregated around the um, graveyard. Didn't they? Did they did, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm Yeah, yeah. Well, blimey, that sounded like Ron. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Alan, you can go first for your prediction. Uh, I'm going to say three nil to Chelsea. Okay, Andy. Four nil. Four nil. Two nil. Two nil. I'm going to go for uh, five two. No, I'll go five nil. What the hell? I think it'll be a. It should be. I mean, look. I, I would imagine that you know if. Uh, um, what's his name? Neil Warnock. Uh, you know, is will come and part the bus. You know, because I, I can't imagine that he'll. Do you know, think he sculpts his eyebrows? They're kind of weird things above his eyes. <laughs> he's a funny bloke, isn't he? Apparently, off the pitch, he's a lovely, lovely yeah, man. I Chris, can imagine Christian that. man who gives a lot to charity. But on the touchline, he's a monster, isn't he? Yeah, he, is, isn't he? But I think he'll come and he'll, he'll do what Rafa did, and he'll you know we'll have to break them down. But I think if we get one goal, we'll get and we'll get another three. So that's right. Display. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, <clears throat> all I can say is, did you buy? Did you buy your League tickets? I did. 20 quid. 20 quid. I'm not, even, I'm not even here. I'll be giving them to a friend of mine, I would think. Um, so, yes, I've bought them. Where are you? <clears throat> I'm going across the Sahara. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. You? Like you, you do. do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, going across the Sahara. Why? Uh, just fancy it. When so, is this? Uh, September the 22nd to the 4th. Where did you go out? I went to Corfu on my birthday. Certainly not the Sahara. Uh, why, why across the Sahara? Are you looking for birds? Uh, we might Whee! do some wildlife Whee! as well. We might be doing some wildlife. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going with a couple of friends of ours, going um, up into the Atlas Mountains and down across the Sahara. Wow. So, um, yeah, kind of nice. looking forward to that. So, yeah, that's, that's our Very little nice. holiday book. How much of the podcast are you going to miss? Uh, only two. There's an international well, break. Unless well, I don't get found. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll be missing a few more. We're, we're all thinking it. <laughs> I thought I'd say it. <laughs> so, yes, all I can say is, Alan, thank you very much. Lovely Pleasure. to have you back, as Lovely usual. Lovely to be back. Uh, Gary, well, thank you for getting here nearly sort of the time we start, um, as usual. Uh, and Andy, well, of course, my nemesis is back. Thank God for that. Did we get the impression? No, no, I was just going to say, and now we have an exclusive Ron Harris advert for maple syrup. Well, you know, it's only Ron Harris here, and I'm here to say buy your maple syrup from Bird of Smithfields in Vermont, straight from the tree onto your plate, you know. <laughs> Actually, words fail me. <laughs> Because A, 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 that sounded nothing like Chopper Harris. It's wrong. It's wrong. nothing like Chopper Harris. And B, oh, well, I can't even go to B. There's no B after no the A. B. Do you put any maple syrup in your ears? He's, he's going to start using this ad for his bird of Smithfield, wherever it was, restaurant. Straight from the tree onto your plate. I love it. It's lovely, that. And on that note, we have to say goodbye to Ron. Oh, I thought we were going to cut all that up. <laughs> no. Well, that's oh, it. going to make it sound professional. Well, that's practically impossible. <laughs> so, so well, you know, Ron Harris. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so, honestly... Um, we did it once. So, where, um, oh, at least oh. it'll make me run for my oh, train. Oh, I, I, because when I was at Chelsea, we used to do an impression of Desai as well. She'd phone him 
And he'd, he'd have this voicemail where he'd be like, oh, I am travelling, call my Ghanaian number. So we used to do like jokes where you'd do an interview where, hello, Marcel, it's Ron calling. Oh, hello, Ron, how are you? Yeah, so it, it was funny. I've still got those recordings. <laughs> really? <laughs> Bring them in. Oh, anyway, so <laughs> from myself, Alan, Speechless, Andy, yeah. Gary, Ron, and now Marcel, <laughs> it's goodbye. <laughs> This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. The Chelsea is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network.